All right, and welcome everybody to EM Over Easy. Drew and I are here. We're recording remotely with two of our friends of the podcast and previous guests, Tiffany Prophet from Lakeland, Michigan, and Anand Swami Nathan from somewhere in New Jersey. Is that right, Swami? <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in New, New Jersey. Jersey. That is correct. <laughs> Some basement in New Jersey. Bringing you guys here part four of our series, We're Calling Looking Back, where we've brought on uh, previous guests and friends of the podcast to talk about people in their life before medicine that were influential to where they are today. So Tiffany, why don't we start with you? I mean, you, you looked over the question, somebody before medicine that was influential to get you where you are today. Yeah. So I actually, uh, when I was looking at this, I was thinking I'm a little non-traditional because my undergrad career was psych and Russian pretty much. So I spent two summers in Russia. One was in an orphanage just on the border of Mongolia. And then during, uh, what was it, third year? I don't know. I was studying abroad in London. So kind of my non-medical medical mentor was a woman um, that I had met there. She was a family friend. And she actually has her own nonprofit organization called Global Healing that establishes blood banks kind of all around the world and medical clinics. And I just, I mean, she's just amazing. She probably doesn't even remember who I am anymore, which is great, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, But she was, you know, a mom, a wife, and she would go into like Georgia and Moldova and Vietnam and just set up blood banks. So I just want to be her. So, so what, yeah, that's, that's really cool that you got to meet somebody like that. So what did she do for you that kind of was influential if you wanted to go to medical school? Um, she just got me and kind of inspired and to get over my own self and self doubt that I could pursue medicine, pursue something more. Uh, she really showed me that any, as long as you have the passion and the drive and you work hard, you can go and you can accomplish these great things and, um, I, you know, I first thought I was going to establish blood banks and was going to go be an MBA. And then I said, I hate business. And so I went into medical school. <laughs> well, I kind of feel sorry for Shwami that Shwami got stuck going second. Um, <laughs> I know I have, I have nothing. I have nothing to say. Uh, I did not work in any orphanages. When you say blood banks in Russia, uh, you know, since the last time I was on with you guys, we talked about superheroes. That makes me think about Blade and his origin <laughs> or something. I don't know. Pretty close. Um, so, yeah, but but I think the the, yeah. the story is is really great because I think you know a lot of us who go into medicine, this isn't like what yeah. medicine was forty years ago, where uh, people did go into medicine for the prestige and to make money. And <laughs> if anyone out there is not in medicine and you're contemplating this career and you are looking at it for prestige and money. You're not going to get the latter yeah. one. The prestige is still there. You know, we are still one of the most trusted professions in the world. And, and and I think that's a great thing, but we don't do this for the money. And I think it's really easy to get into these tracks where you're like, you know, this is this is the job that I'm in and, and I'm doing well and things are going great. And then that jumping track, and I know lots of people who came to medicine a little bit later and had prior lives before medicine. And I, I think it's astounding to to put behind that security and go for something that, yes, once you get through it, it's a very secure job, uh, you know, and we make really good money. Um, but it's a lot of sacrifice in between to get there. So I think that's amazing that you're that you're able to do that. And there's so many stories of people who have given up really, really very stable careers uh, to go into this. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. cool. <laughs> so, Swami, you're up. 
Oh, geez. So, um, you know, I listened to the first episode to get a little idea of what you guys were going for. And I thought a lot about this and, uh, you know, I have, I don't think any of us has one mentor and you guys kind of mentioned that, that it's, it's never one person that's like, this is the person, this is the catalyst. And very few of us have that singular event that does it. Um, I, I am definitely going to go with some of the safe choices, which is my parents, um, had a huge influence on me going into medicine. Uh, so, um, my mom is a little bit of background. Uh, my parents were actually in arranged marriage. Uh, they're about 10 years apart. They never met before they got married. My dad was actually training. Uh, he was a resident in the States in general surgery, went back, got married. And my mom who was fluent in English, but, um, definitely did not think she was going to end up in the States, um, got married. And the next day my dad's like, we're going back. Cause you know, mm-hmm. I'm a general surgery resident. I got a uh, 36 hours off and I got to go back to work. So they flew over and my mom, the way my mom tells it is that she always imagined, uh, that they would finish his training and go back. And all of that was true except for the part about going back. Um, and so they stayed here and, and the stories, and my mom never really tells these stories. You have to really pull them out of her, but she came over here. My dad was a general surgery resident in the sixties, which meant, you know, they were working like 140 hours a week. And my mom was just sitting there. She didn't know how to drive. She didn't have a job. She didn't know anybody. And she just kind of took it on herself. She's like, well, I'm going to go find a job. And she walked to a bank that was um, about a half a mile away and applied for a job and got a job at the bank. Um, She learned how to drive. Uh, So she applied herself and just figured all this stuff out. And she had a college degree and all those kind of things. But, you know, taking that to to the States and and what I get from that is you just have to take Mm -hmm. what you have and figure out how do I use this to get what I want, what I need. And, and she did that. And I think it's amazing for somebody to come over here and just be like, I'm going to find a job. I'm going to learn how to drive. Like, I'm going to figure all of this out. And, um, you know, she really established an amazing life. And then after years of doing the bank stuff and, and, and doing other things, she took over my dad's office and basically ran all of the finances of the office. And if it wasn't for her, we would all be dead broke. Uh, cause my dad knows nothing about billing and coding and any of that stuff. So my mom basically ran that office for, you know, God knows 25 years, um, and kept it really profitable until they decided that it was time to retire. Um, so I get that message from her of, of taking the skills that you have and applying them and figuring out how to make um, something great out of it. And she worked all through our time in school, but she was still that mom who did everything else also. Um, so I think that was pretty amazing. And then my dad also has a, had a huge influence on me, um, not just because of the medicine part, but you guys talked about this a little bit too, that work ethic that went into whatever job you had. Um, so I saw him, you know, coming home late at night, getting called in the middle of the night to go in, uh, and then staying at work and having a long day. And, you know, I would ask him about it. I'm like, aren't you tired? Isn't this hard? And he goes, yeah, but this is what your patients deserve. This is what the people who you work for deserve from you. You give them everything. Um, and he always told us he never expected any of us to go into medicine, really never tried to influence any of us into medicine, um, and just said, whatever you choose to do, do it to the best of your ability. That's all you can do. And that's what you should expect from yourself. And that's what everybody should expect from you. And I think those simple you know, models of work ethic have really pushed me pretty far to say, well, maybe I could do a little bit better at that. Maybe um, that isn't as good as it could be. So I think those those messages uh, from my parents have been huge. And uh, I think that 
you know, having a, a parent as a physician, there's a certain entitlement that that goes along with that that you'll hear often. Um, I, I talk to med students uh, frequently, and they'll be like, "Oh, my dad's a doctor, so I'm I'm going to be a doctor," or "My mom's a doctor, so you know," or "Everyone in my family are physicians," and it's almost like mm-hmm. it's like a, a right, right? Like, well, they're physicians, so I'm just going to do that too, and and it's really not. Uh, it, it doesn't guarantee in any way, shape, or form that you're going to be able to do it or that you're going to do it well. Um, we see lots of like families that end up in the same specialty and they they work together and things like that, but that's not the norm. Um, and I think that you have to step out of that. So if anyone's listening, who's in medical school, who's like, my dad's a doctor, so I'm going to be a doctor mm-hmm. really think about that because it's just, it's, it shouldn't be about this entitlement of going into it. It should be about what you've put into it, your work ethic, your dedication to the field. Cause that's the only thing that's going to matter in the end. That's spot on. I, I certainly can't agree more with the way you finish that. I think your story is really neat. Um, certainly having parents, your parents' story is very neat, both your father and your mother's, and I can certainly understand how that contributes to you being a very driven person. In fact, you and Andy are two of the most, uh, I don't know how you guys find the, the time in the day that you do to be everywhere. I, I can't listen to a medical podcast without Swami's voice serenading me somewhere in there, and we know Andy finds about 28 hours in a 24-hour day to get things done, so pretty incredible. Drew, you don't know about you don't know about my, my twin, right, Larry well, Swami Nathan. I, yeah, I've been trying to figure out how to clone myself too. It just hasn't worked so far. I, all, all I could do was get my residents to wear my white coat when I couldn't show up for uh, hospital true. pictures <laughs> or shifts. <laughs> or sh- yeah. no, I'm late for shifts. I'd never even made. But what's fine? What I love about your story is, is it's something that I think a lot of us can connect to. The idea that our parents really showed us how to be, uh, how do I say this, successful adults. Um, not not to you know. And the problem with doing this series is Drew and I have recorded this with a couple of people, so we have to think of other people on the list. And when I think about another person on this list that for me has been key, it's it was my dad. And it was just for the same reason is that my dad grew up um, very, very blue collar, barely graduated high school, but got married to my mom fresh out of high school and realized that he had to take care of a wife and then quickly six kids. And so my dad worked. I mean, he, he started a business from scratch in the back of a Safeway with a Rolodex and just started calling people on the phone and then started a garbage company and then started hauling wood. And my dad was always actively engaged doing something for the betterment of the six of us. Um, and then kind of to dovetail that at the age of 40, decided to let all of that go to do what Tiffany, Tiffany's mentor had said was to follow his dream and then went, went to PA school and became a PA at the ripe age of older, at the ripe age of 44 with four kids at home and having just had my older sister get married. And so it, kind of these ideas that like our progenitors or our parents or our grandparents, like they can be a great source of inspiration for the great things we do in our life because they've been pioneers across the entire way, whether they were born in America or born in another country or really just changed the shift and the the path for their, for the future generations because of one single choice and the desire to work hard. So no, that those are awesome stories. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and, you know, the other thing I was going to bring up was the mentors who they would never identify as my mentors. And what they actually tried to do was tell me that I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And, and all of us all got that one have person. these stories, yeah. right? I mean, we've all failed. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you guys should do a podcast just about the, all the failures that your guests have had, because I think um, sometimes the people on the outside, they, they listen to this stuff and they're, they're, they don't realize the number of times that we have failed at what we do. So, um, you know, when I was in, uh, high school, my brother's two years older, um, went to Cornell. My brother's smarter than me in every way, shape and form. He is not a doctor, but took the MCATs and did better than I did. So, uh, we know that he is smarter. Um, but, uh, we had the same, uh, college advisor 
college advisor looked through all my my stuff and said, you're not going to get into your college of choice. Uh, and I really wanted to go to Cornell, which is where my brother went to. Um, and and uh, he just flat out told me, he's like, it's not going to happen. Um, and I got in. And uh, I was very proud of getting in. And, you know, in retrospect, I want to say he was just challenging me. Um, but it's not true. Uh, it, it, he really looked at my CV. And he's like, eh, there's no way. It's not going to happen. Um, and then in college, you know, I we've talked about this before. I, I was a little bit of a slacker in college. I didn't do nearly as well as I should have. And I remember meeting with my college advisor and, uh, and he's like, so what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I'm pre-med. And he looks at my transcript and he's like, what's yeah. your second choice? Because this isn't going to happen. Um, and I'll tell you that I proved him right by not getting into med school the first time around. Um, and I, I went and got a degree in public health and thought about maybe, maybe medicine isn't for me and I'm going to do something else. But that was the first time since high school, really, that I, I applied myself, that that master's. I really um, you know, dug deep and said, if you're going to do this, you got to do it. You, you got to apply yourself to it. And I worked as hard as I possibly could for that two years, getting that degree and proving to the med schools that I could do it. And I just barely eked into a medical school. Um, I got into the two state schools in New Jersey. Um, and uh, I mean... I got lucky. They were both great schools, and uh, they told us from the beginning that um, it's all about the work that you put in. Uh, and my dad told me the same thing. He's like, every medical school is created equal. It's just about the work that the individual puts in. So if you want to do this, then actually work for it and do it. But those failures have been amazing mentors for me. And those two people who told me you weren't going to be able to do it were major mentors for me because I think about it all the time when, when I think I can't do something or I fail at something. I'm like, you've been here before. You failed before. You can do this. Sure. You just have to and apply yourself. We will absolutely have you back on for an episode about failure. I'll, I, I've mentioned it before. I, long oh, episode. So I, many. I failed my first It's going to be a long episode, Drew. I mean, I thought I was done, right? I, I left a great career similar to Tiffany in a lot of ways. I had a good job with benefits that I loved doing um, in fire and EMS and put that all away. And, and it wasn't like you could just walk back into it, right? Somebody took my job. I, I probably could have gotten a job at some point. But And then how do you dig yourself out of that hole? I, I literally thought I was done, that there's no way I was going to be a physician. I failed my first test in medical school. And I didn't necessarily do amazing after that, but certainly dug my way out and didn't fail another test. And I think I'm an okay physician at this point. Tiffany probably would tell me otherwise just based on my heritage, but that's another story. <laughs> Still says doctor. The white coat still CEO. says doctor, too. I, uh, I tested that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, along the way, Swami, you, you hinted at this a little bit. Uh, some people that once you made the decision to do medicine, was there maybe one person before you officially were in medicine or the beginning stages that really influenced that process? I mean, you kind of mentioned a couple of them that told you you're going to fail, but one person in particular that stands out along that pathway once you, you said, I'm going to do this? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I've had a, a couple of different people that were, um, you know, when I didn't get in the first time around, I reached out to family friends and, and talked to them. And uh, one of my dad's uh, best friends, he's basically my uncle, um, was also a general surgeon and then went back and got an MBA and an MPH. And I talked to him for about an hour about this whole thing. And he's like, and, and you know, it was never from a negative perspective. It wasn't from the perspective of you failed, find something else to do. It was more of like, well, listen, we all fail and uh, it's time to decide what you want. And here's a way for you to prove that you can do this, that that you can be the proper student for medical school. And, and he kind of brought up, you know, get a master's in public health. And if you decide that you want to just work with that master's and do something, there's a lot of things that you can do to help people that you can work near the field of medicine, even though you're not in medicine. 
He's like, but if you simply want to get back into medical school, this is a good way to prove it. And so that conversation, I think, was really, um, really powerful for me to understand that there are other ways to get here. And again, it was seeing other people fail. Um, you know, I don't think ever growing up uh, with my parents in the house, I ever saw them fail at what they do. And not that they didn't fail. It's just we didn't see it. You know, it's like you're you're your children. You don't you don't witness those things. Um, I think that it's really important for a mentor uh, especially the more junior the person is that you're mentoring to really be open and honest about those failures and say, you know, you're going to fail. Um, there's no way, no matter how good you are, no matter how accomplished you are, no matter how smart you are, you will fail. And it's a matter of how you respond to that failure. Uh, that is really critical, especially in medicine. I mean, think about it. how many patients you see, how many times you get the wrong diagnosis, not necessarily that anyone gets harmed or hurt, but you get the wrong diagnosis all the time. Um, we fail every day. And it's a matter of how we take those failures and learn from them, but also recover from those failures, especially the big ones. When we really do make an error, we make a mistake when, when there is harm uh, that happens because of an error or, or just, you know, we, we, there's no way we could have made the diagnosis. We didn't know about the diagnosis, whatever it is, we need to understand how to rally from that. And I think that the people who have succeeded all their lives have a really hard time when they hit medicine and that first failure. They have a hard time uh, enduring that. And so I think not that you have to have other life experience before you go into medicine, but there is a power to that because when you have that other life experience, you do fail. Uh, you learn that um, if you haven't learned it already. Um, so I think that is really critical. Actually, we um, myself and uh, Chris Root and Mike Loria and Mike Perlmutter just published a thing on um, uh, ICENET, the uh, International Clinical Educators blog, about this issue of, of failure and how important it is for people to experience that and be able to say, I don't know, to be open and honest. And I think that if we're going to be good mentors, and I think all of us want to mentor others, we have to be open and honest with them and, and reveal those failures. Say that's key as you know, the junior resident in training, because you come in and I think that all my senior residents, all my faculty are just infallible, except for Drew. But I, <laughs> I couldn't not sorry. Um, and you're I think the the fear of making any small mistake is so overwhelming and paralyzing because you think none of them have ever made a mistake in their entire lives. They're all brilliant and competent and just flow through challenging cases. And it's the times when I've had an epic fail and my faculty come to me like, it's okay. Do you want to know what I did on this patient? You're fine. That I feel, yes, I can still be a doctor. I'm not in completely incompetent, completely unskilled. I'm actually meant to do this. So I appreciate you just kind of harping on that. Again, it helps. And I know it's going to help all the, the residents, med students. I think listening. we've turned this into a failure episode, not a looking back episode, but that's okay because we can look back at a lot of different failures. Any, anyone else you guys want to bring up a, a story you want to tell looking back on this journey along the way that just when you were prepping for the episode was ringing true to you? I know Andy has a dozen, but we're not gonna we're not gonna let him open up that that list quite yet. I mean, I can tell you about somebody who's mentored me after medicine. I mean, after I I got into medicine, that I think about every day and and prepping for this is actually this the name that came into my head over and over again is my old chairman uh, Lewis Goldfrank, who I, I've never called him Lewis before. He's the only doctor that I work with that I I refuse to call him by his first name, even though he said it's okay. Um, Dr. Goldfrank has been a huge mentor for me in a way that I never thought um, he anyone could mentor me. I, you know, I went into medicine 
to take care of medical issues. Uh, I love the pathology. I love taking care of sick patients. And when I say that, I don't love that the patients are sick. I love that I get to take care of them when they are sick. And, and I think we all agree on that, but I just want to make sure the wording is is properly done here so no one thinks that I'm a psycho who wants sick patients, uh, patients to be sick rather. Um, but that's what I went into medicine for, was to take care of the medical side of things. But over the four years that I was at Bellevue as a resident, what he really uh, harped on and what really he really showed us was that it's not just about the medical part of it. It's about the social aspects of medicine. And, uh, you know, he when you worked with him and, and he still works uh, one to two shifts a week, um, when you worked with him, you'd see a patient, you present it to him and he would kind of nod, nod, nod. And then at the end of it, he would say, what's the lesion in the healthcare system that brought this patient to the emergency department today? And he said it on every patient. Uh, when I was an intern. And then after that, you just kind of did it yourself. You would present the patient and be like, and the reason the patient's here today is because they couldn't afford their medications. They couldn't get into clinic, you know, um, whatever, whatever the, the thing was. And, and it just became a routine part of your practice. And I don't think I will ever be the social justice warrior that, that Dr. Goldfrank is. Um, but it is part of who I am. I think about that every time I see a patient of why is this patient here today? And not from the perspective of like, oh, why is this patient here today? But from the perspective of, is there something that I can actually, when, when I send this patient home, is there something that I can do that can prevent them coming back again? Um, you know, is there something that they need? Is some provision of services? And I think that if all of us think that way, we can actually change our medical system. And, and yes, there are going to be leaders who who rally for this cause. That's important. But I think all of us need to take that on. And, and that's what he gave to us. And we would kid around, what would Dr. Goldfrank do um, anytime you saw a patient? And and that still, I think about that every time I see a patient, what would Dr. Goldfrank do in this particular situation? Uh, I think we all need that kind of a, a mentality going into what we do. And we probably all in every training program, there's one guy or one girl who harps on that over and over again of what's the social issues that brought this patient to us today? And how can we help to relieve that? And even if it's not our mission, it should be part of what we do. Yeah, and, and so critical in emergency medicine that we take that extra moment to think on a micro level, what can I do to really help this person's outcome, not just from a medicine standpoint, from that social standpoint? Uh, it, huge, absolutely huge to have somebody like that uh, mentoring your entire program in something more than just the practice of medicine or, or really incorporating that into the practice of medicine. I think that's probably a great place to leave it uh, before we go too far down too many other roads uh, beyond just looking back. But uh, Tiffany, Swami, thank you so much for joining us on EM Over Easy as always. Look forward to having you guys both back on to talk more about failure and some other topics. Um, glad we had a chance to look back a little bit on how you all got started in medicine and the people that really affected you along the way and i hope our listeners enjoyed listening to this and the rest of the series so all you listeners out there be sure to check us out twitter facebook a little bit on instagram we're getting a little better with that and of course our blog site emovereasy.com and uh anon and tiffany thank you again for joining us thanks guys thank you Make the world a better place Take a look at yourself and just make